UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. And today we're going to talk about the upcoming game for the Michigan Wolverines versus Penn State. Well, Andy, before the season started, we identified this three-game stretch as being crucial for Michigan. They've gotten past the first two games. Uh, you know, they stomped Wisconsin pretty convincingly, overcame Michigan State, and now we have Penn State up. So what do you think about this one? I think it's the most important game of the year, and I think each game that they play from now on will become their most important game of the year. Things are breaking pretty good for the Wolverines in some senses. They uh, were just outside of the four on the first uh, playoff. The four teams picked for the playoffs for the first time for the season, and they they just sitting at fifth out there, which is in a pretty good position. Might do them some good later. And they want to win the Big Ten championship, and if they win out, they can do it. And there are some circumstances where they could even lose to Penn State and still and st- still um, get into that Big Ten championship game. Well, but, well yeah. Well, let's not jump to that. I mean, let's stick to the game in hand. And you know, I think you know you mentioned that every game from here out is is real important in a championship. I mean, the team has told us, you know, individually they they've each said that they have treated every game as the season gone has gone on as the most important game. But I have to say that I, I have to believe that this game ha- has been a red-letter game. Um, you know, they mentioned it this year or this week in preparation that they did not appreciate Penn State trying to score late in that game. And, and you know, they took that as a sign of disrespect. And most importantly... The last two, last two seconds, was it, or the last second, but at the end... And, you know, the, the most important thing they didn't appreciate was, was pretty much getting the tires knocked out of them. And I remember last year, you know, we saw in the Amazon special that heading into that game, they really felt they were going to put a beating on Penn State, and it is uh-huh. it is not what happened. So um, Don Brown has specifically mentioned that uh, he has thought about that game every night, and he will be scheming and and coming up with things to to unleash upon them and you know it's interesting because going back and watching that game last year it was interesting to me because Penn State's offense really schemed a really great game plan to go after Michigan's defense it is one of the things that that I'm surprised hasn't happened more often but I think that you know uh, a reason that it hasn't is that Don Brown you know is you know, always has surprises for teams. But I have to say that last year, Penn State was ready for Michigan. And again, uh, you know, a 42-13 to victory. And not only that, like you said, you know, they tried to run it up at the end. So yep. it'll be interesting to see what they have. You know, the reality is, Andy, is if you score 13 points, you're probably not going to beat, you know, very many top-tier teams. Um, you know, but again... It, it was unusual to see our, our what ended up being the number three defense in the country uh, get exposed pretty soundly versus Penn State. Um, what do you think about uh, this game coming up? Well, uh, the players 
uh, all week have been talking uh, about how they're zeroed in against Penn State because uh, every or two or three of them have mentioned that. Chase Winovich uh, came up with the Appalachian Revenge Tour for this year because there's others that they thought ought to be smacked, and they've smacked a couple of them, uh, Michigan State, for instance. So I think the, the Wolverines are really dedicated to this game. I think they're really working hard. I think they're honestly together as a team. I think there's been good bonding there. And I've lost all reservations that I had when Don Brown first came here that he might not be quite the coach he was advertised to be and that he might not win big games. Well, they've sort of put some of that to bed and uh, have full faith. He has my full faith and credit now. Uh, I'm for Don Brown. I think he's a great coach. And uh, among the, the new offensive guys, uh, he's been a steady a steady, good influence on that defense. They they have had great results. At current, or before the last set of games, they were the the best team in the country. I don't know if that's changed with them having a bye. But how can you ask for better than that? Well, I'll say that Don Brown has definitely lived up his bill, to his billing. I think the big difference that we're seeing this year so far is that the offense is you know, carrying their own weight and starting to be dangerous in its own right. And, you know, heading into this season, you know, I I came in with the assumption that the defense would keep playing at a high level. They continued to have done that. Um, and what I hoped is that we would get a, you know, a, a competent def- or a competent offense. You know, we've definitely seen that. I mean, I think this is a completely different story compared to last season where, Quarterback play was suspect from the beginning. You know, you had Spate go out early. You had O'Corn. You had Peters, and it was kind of a, uh, uh, well, I can't use the word what, what we had in the quarterback play last year. Again, once Spate went down, um, things went downhill from there. And it was interesting because, you know, you look at this year, and not only do you have um, Shea Patterson doing well, but you have Dylan McCaffrey, you know, in, in in limited work doing really well. You have the offensive line really coming into its own. You have um, uh, Karan Higdon just, just pounding the ball. And, you know, Andy, the last couple of years during these podcasts, I would always tell you that I didn't really know what Harbaugh wanted to do on offense. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what kind of team he wanted Michigan to be. I think we're seeing the kind of team he wants Michigan to be. And, what it is 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 a pretty pretty stout offense that can get some things done. One thing that has happened is the injuries, for the most part, have happened to the the most uh, the deepest group position group on the team, which was the defensive line. They seem to be getting along without uh, uh, Rashawn Gary. Quiddy Pay's been playing well. Everybody's been playing well. And that defense seems to be able to play all the snaps of the game at a quite frenzied level. They're not getting as tired as they did in last year. So they're a different animal than they were last year. We'll see whether they're good enough to be championships, and it's going to be a very interesting watch to watch each of these next games and see.
see how they do. Andy, let's talk about that for a second. First, one of the reasons that the, the defense is getting a chance to, to rest more is that the offense is doing better. I mean, and I think that's one of the things, you know, it's kind of a yin and yang thing. On one hand, when the offense does better and starts putting together drives, you see that the defense is better rested. And as you mentioned, although Rashawn Gary has been out, the defense has, he hasn't missed a beat because they are no, incredibly deep. No, that's as you got to love them for that. I, I think that probably it's even up half and half. Half the of the offense is doing better, possessing the ball longer. At a time of possession, that has been good in each of the last two games. And uh, the fact that the I believe that the defense is in better physical condition to play long games than they were last year. They're not fading at the end. number of reasons, maybe multiple reasons, but it still is a good thing that's happening out there. Much better than they were last year. Undoubtedly, I have to say that I'm expecting Michigan to do very well in this game. Um, I would be really surprised if Penn State were to score more than two or three touchdowns. I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if they get out of the teens uh, against our defense, and I'm expecting the offense to do well. I am too, and it looks like the weather, it looks like it's going to be a clean track, and the weather might not rain on them uh, during the afternoon of Saturday. So uh, they should have a full opportunity to show all their wares, their matter and what hands, at Penn State, and I think that's a real concern they had with that game last year. That was an embarrassment to them. So I think most of the cards, or at least the cards that we can see that lay on the table, seem to be in favor of the Wolverines. But they could come up with some magic and whip the Wolverines. They could get uh, the penalty. Two things bother me about Michigan. One has been the penalties, and they seem to have taking care of a, a little bit of that. And the other is red zone inabilities against Michigan State. They had opportunities in the red zone that went to waste. And uh, they are not very high in the national rankings on red zone efficiency. So uh, they've got work to do on both sides of the ball, really. And uh, they're not a finished product yet, but Boy, are they sure trending toward the better side. You know, one thing that, that I've been really excited about is that the offense seems to be building. Everything seems to be getting better. And, you know, this isn't – It's I don't have a sense that Michigan is escaping through these games. I mean, they are handling the business at hand. And, you know, the score was 21-7 versus Michigan State. But mm-hmm. at no time – you know, once Michigan, you know, got caught their gear in the second half, they controlled that game. And really, the only reason Michigan State scored is that, you know, uh, Michigan turnover put them in position and uh, a trick sure. play. So, again, 21-7 to may not look like a huge dominating win on the scoreboard, but it was a dominating win if you were there. It was definitely nice to see. I think that this team has something special for Penn State. I think that, uh, you know, again, you got to play one game at a time, but I feel really good about this game. Um, I think that we're going to see the offense open up. I think that uh, if there is a game that Michigan is going to uh, 
run up the score, I think this might be it. First, Penn State has not played that traditionally does not play well on the road against Michigan. You know, it, it's right. one of the the few teams that actually seems to be a little odd when they come to the big house. Um, so there's that, and then you know if you look at Penn State this season, they have not exactly shown through. I don't think they're the team that people thought they were at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, losing to Michigan State, losing to Ohio State, I guess, and, and that was at home. So they're really going to have to put together a good effort to uh, to stand with Michigan. You know, I have to say that I, I like James Franklin as a coach, but this is the first year um, that, that I see the criticism. People say that he's not the best game coach. Um, you know, they shouldn't have lost to Ohio State. I was kind of surprised they, they lost to Michigan State. Frankly, they should have lost to Iowa last week. So yeah. I don't get the impression that they're that they are a team that is that is coming on, that is basically surging. Um, and I, I really look for Michigan to come in and, and put the hammer down on them. You know, you mentioned in the beginning that you know Michigan's number five in the nation. Well, one of the things going to happen is that Alabama and LSU are going to play. That's going to knock mm-hmm. one of those teams. And, and I oh, really think. Yeah that Michigan is in prime position here. Now, they control their destiny. They need to you know, take one game at a time, the old cliche. They need to win out. But, but the path is clear, and hopefully we can look forward to a trip to Indianapolis. I hope so. It, it looks like they're going to be pretty full-handed, too. While Harbaugh at the press conference on Monday was uh, cagey about didn't care to comment on uh, Juan Bushel Beatty uh, injury at all. Uh, Mike on when you in his in his turn to speak in the scrum indicated that uh, he's back and going to be okay. Tarek Black uh, Harbaugh indicated is doing better and probably could find a place uh, to get some playing time. On this day, too, now, if you have three uh, great wide receivers out there at once time, it's better than having just two. So all the cards, like I say, the cards that are laying face up on the table point in Michigan's favor. Let's hope they can do it. A lot of things happened. And I, in the early 1980s, I thought Michigan was going to go to Wisconsin. They were the number one team in the country. They started the season at Wisconsin and lost. And so uh, they were never as high again on the rest of the season. But this time the situation is different, and it's at the home of fair play. It's in Michigan Stadium. So let's hope that lasts, too. Well, now that we've talked about the game, we have a chance to talk about some of the uh, other activities surrounding the game. Um, it has uh, been declared that Chris Weber, former Fab Fiver, and... Uh, former Wolverine basketball player, former disgraced um, Michigan basketball player, uh, will be feted as an honorary captain. I think this is a disgrace. I don't know why Michigan would do this. I don't know why Harbaugh would do this. Um, it's wrong on a number of levels. First, you know, this is a guy who who uh, cheated, who basically lied, and uh, the, the disgrace that he was part of, basically put the Michigan basketball program 
you know, behind the eight ball for, for over a decade, ruined basketball. 20, 20, 20 years. Ruined basketball for a number of years after him. And, uh, again, you know, it took John Beeline and a lot of patience to bring the program back. And the thing that bothers me about Weber is that, you know, Andy, I was in school with Weber. We were contemporaries, okay? And during the time when he was in school, he would give interviews and he would whine and cry about how he was being exploited. And at the time, I understood. I was like, yep, I get it. You are being exploited. Well, why this was happening, he was, according to the federal government, um, you know, accepting over $200,000 in loans. Okay, loans. And, and, you know, the thing about it was this, okay? Not only did Chris Weber have more talent in his little finger than most of the players that he played, but he was also living a life supported by ill-gotten gains. And, you know, my problem with it is this, okay? Everybody, you know, there are people who say, well, the system isn't right. He was just, you know, fighting back. Well, you know what? There are plenty of players who do it right, who don't take money, and not only did he have more talent, but, you know, he lived a lifestyle supported by this money that, that other players, you know, his, the, the, the players he competed against, you know, didn't have. So, you know, it all comes out, um, you know, he gets indicted federally. Um, he, he lies on the stand, okay? And the only thing that basically prevented him from being a convicted felon is that Ed Martin, his buddy who was providing him with these illegal loans, died before he could testify against him, okay? And, and even with that, for what the, the uh, FBI had evidence of and what the, you know, the, the officials had evidence of, it was a coin flip because of the amounts whether Chris Weber was going to be a convicted felon or not. And, you know, the judge looked at it and, and basically partially because of the case collapsing, because of Ed Martin dying, not being able to testify, you know, he, he, by the skin of his teeth, escaped being a convicted felon, okay? And during this whole time, Chris Weber's attitude is that he didn't do anything wrong, that he was being persecuted, okay? So, again, I, you know, listen, I'm all for forgiveness, but at no point has he asked for forgiveness. At, at every point, Chris Weber is the disgruntled, um, you know, he's the one being oppressed. He's the one being picked on. And the whole time he was in school here, he was lying about, oh, I'm being exploited. Oh, I'm the good kid. You know, my parents raised me right. Turns out his parents were taking loans. I mean, he is the, the biggest flipping hypocrite. And, you know, I, I seriously question what kind of message this sends to student athletes at this point. I mean... Does this tell them that they shouldn't be taking money? And, and, and again, it, it's a horrible message. You know, I, I don't understand what Harbaugh is thinking. You know, this is a guy who basically, you know, when I'm talking about Harbaugh, you know, has, has given his time to uh, volunteering with judges and learning about, you know, the justice system and, and how to, to uh, help people get better representation. And here you have a guy who lied, you know, he's supporting somebody who lied on the stand, okay? And it is, it, it's a horrible, horrible message. Um, I, I think it's a disgrace. And, um, again, I, I wish we weren't soiling such a big game 
um, with this kind of uh, this kind of dishonor. What do you think? The reason this comes up now is he has been named an honorary captain. He will toss the coin before the PSU game. It may be time. It may be past time to forgive and forget. I don't know about that, and I do not fault the university for choosing to do so. I just don't know why they do so. I find it just a touch harder to personally forgive Weber as he never admitted fault like you mentioned. I just hope that there are cheers instead of jeers when his name is mentioned pregame. It is probable just us probable it is probably just us old timers that uh, still carry a chip on our shoulder. But uh, that was a big chip. He ruined Michigan basketball for over twenty twenty years. And uh I don't know what he's done to show any, to be contrite about this or do anything about it. just that the Fab Five wants him back um, so they can hang his, uh, hang his shirt in the rafters. So I don't know. We'll see how the crowd reacts. So it will be interesting to see whether he's well liked out there at this point in time or whether he's not. Well, well, Andy, here's my, and again, here's my problem, okay? And, and again, I'm, I'm going to push back. I would be ecstatic if he, if he were to be booed, okay? And, again, part of what I think this is is basically a rewriting of history because I don't expect, you know, the students to, to exactly remember what happened, okay? By bringing this guy back. Yeah, the, the younger ones, yeah. By bringing this guy back, it's kind of the stamp of approval from the university. And, you know, I have to tell you that in my mind, I, al I always thought that after his playing career was over and after the, the spotlight went dim, Chris Weber would crawl back in, you know, trying to, to uh, recast his role and, uh, and, and bring the spotlight back onto him. There's been some work by the rest of the Fab Five, particularly Jalen Rose, to rehab uh, their image and, and get back in the good graces of the university. And I'll tell you, it's interesting to me because during the time I was in school, Andy, Jalen Rose was the, was the criminal, was the punk that, that people had to watch out for, okay? He was the one from the bad neighborhood. Chris Weber was yeah. the good kid, and it's interesting that yep. Jalen Rose has turned out you know, he's the one sponsoring a charter school. He's the one back at the university. He's the one working at the ESPN. I think that he's turned out to be a much better citizen than Chris Weber. And, you know, I, I listen, it all comes down to money. I'm sure that there are some donors they would love to have, you know, uh, have those guys around and help solicit donations. I'm sure they would love to solicit some donations from Chris Weber himself. And, again, it would be one thing if he admitted, if he had apologized, but he is not contrite. He doesn't think he did anything I, wrong. I wholly, wholly agree with that. But there is some precedent for a certain amount of forgiveness on the part of University of Michigan uh, athletic staff towards their players. You remember that Bull, after Billy Taylor got in uh, criminal problems, uh, uh, Bo Schembechler invited him back and talked to him and mentored him and, and was good to him. So, but with, with, uh, whether it's been just, it's just been, he's, 
pushed away. Everybody's kept at arm's length. It's, it's been all about Weber and nothing about the University of Michigan. Never have I ever heard Weber say how much good the University of Michigan did him. He wasn't out there making all that money uh, if he played at some other, at Podunk Hughes someplace, but he played with a, he, he played with a, with a school that had a good reputation before he got there and uh, took him to the, the big games. He played in the biggest games, and all that happened because he was part of the University of Michigan, and the University of Michigan gave him that. He didn't seem to appreciate it. That, and he took money. Uh, and not only did he take money himself, but he infected the rest of the team. Bullock, their sharpshooter, uh, around that time, also, even after he was gone, uh, was contaminated. And several players were uh, contaminated after he was gone, so it spread. So it was a terrible infection. It was a terrible thing to do. I personally am not harboring any hope to see him or have him gain anything by any association with the University of Michigan because he doesn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. And some of the rest of them did. So that's all I got to say. Uh, but now, uh, there, but but there is some past history of Michigan forgiving and forgetting uh, as regards their uh, their uh, football players like Billy Taylor. Uh, again, Andy, I have no problem with forgiving people who have admitted a mistake, but yeah, that's not Chris Weber. And 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 you're right, Bo. You know, Billy Taylor is a great example. Billy Taylor also came back and and talked to players and, and warned them not to make the same mistake he did. Um, I mean, you can look at, I mean, it's not just Billy Taylor. I mean, you can look at Rick Leach, okay? Rick Leach yeah. got into trouble after he left U of M. You know, he got, yes, he, he got in trouble when he was playing for the Tigers. He got in trouble even after he, he retired from the major leagues. You know, he had, had some yeah. stupidity happen. You know, listen... Michigan, I would say this about the state of Michigan. They are, you know, people in the state of Michigan are have a remarkable soft spot for their athletes, okay? Mm-hmm. But that is one thing for a fan base to feel some way, and it's another thing for the official athletic department to embrace somebody who caused, who was at the center of so much grief, okay? Right. And, and, and I think that's my problem. I mean... You know, when when you when you look at what uh, you know what Chris Weber did, I mean, um, you know, again, it caused so much grief. You know, convicted of perjury, he lied, he cheated, he was suspended in, in the NBA for drug use. He, I mean, again, this is not somebody who's a sterling example of. You know, frankly, I, I'm not proud that he went to Michigan. And, you know, again, I will say it, it's a disgrace. It is what it is. You know, let them come out. Let them cheer. Let them boo. Whatever they want to do. Let's get on to the game that counts. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Um, you know, we also had some, some minor news today with, uh, you know, a former Michigan coach. We have the saga of DJ Durkin ending with him getting fired in Maryland. It's interesting because... After being suspended, um, Fort came back that he should be reinstated, and uh, which which disappointed me. But uh, the, uh, the the fans and the students in Maryland 
protested and, and now he's gone, which which is as it should be. What do you think about that? Well, I certainly expected it. I was disappointed when he when he came back at all. I thought it was a mistake. The president of the university was resigning because of that. And he's a guy that the president had got him into the Big Ten. It's uh, got their academic levels to a new high for them. Uh, done a lot of good there, and he's leaving in in um, I guess it's June at the end of the semester term, whatever it is there. He's leaving, and it's basically because of this scandal. Coach Durkin is a good guy. I thought he was good when he was a defensive coach at Michigan, but I was totally disappointed in the way he managed his program and a lot of that stuff that the kids seemed to be saying panned out and seemed true and was blessed uh, by the investigators. And so uh, I'm not surprised that Durkin is uh, now looking for a job. What I am surprised at, that there was this long hiatus between uh, the end of the investigations and his leaving the university, but his leaving the university just seems to me to be a job well done. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGobu.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.